0: welcome to see we do have a voice i'm your host shelly turner being diagnosed with breast cancer is where the discussion starts breast cancer doesn't care where you live it doesn't care who you know how healthy you are how many initials you have behind your name or what color your skin is This podcast is a platform that will create discussion in order to help you find your story, your decisions, your information, and your understanding. Now let's get into it. I just want to thank thank you and just thank you again for agreeing to share your story this morning. How many times have you had breast cancer? I've
1: had breast cancer four times, two times in each breast and I'm so very blessed and fortunate that I was able to find it early, so early detection does matter, but mm-hmm. I am a advocate for self-advocacy. You have to know your mm-hmm. own body, and of course, take time to learn a little bit about it, you know, not just knowing it, learning what it does, how you can help yourself, because a lot of the things that happen to not just us women, but people is that Mm -hmm. we don't know the signs of a problem within the body because your body's talking to you all the time
0: all day all day long
1: mine talks a lot sometimes I say be quiet
0: (laughs) it's like I'll do this later not now
1: (laughs) yeah but that's the problem when it's talking to you you need to stop what you're doing and listen to what it's trying to tell you
0: you make a good point about stopping and listening and a lot of my focus that I really would like to focus on are women who like to keep their body function secret because oh you, yes, what you don't talk about doesn't stop anything from going on.
1: But you have to realize that in 30 years, we have come so far.
0: We have. We have.
1: Our community has come so far mm-hmm. because I can tell you when I came mm-hmm. into a room, not a breast cancer situation, just at church. Or yes. at a, a meeting of you know of some organization I'm belonging to, I could yes. clear the room because they'd say, "Here comes that breast cancer lady." And it was like an insult for me to walk in because they didn't want to hear what I had to say.
0: It's how dare you talk about that?
1: It was, and even I have to say, tell the truth. My mother wanted to know why I needed to talk about it. She, her, her actual words was why are you washing our dirty laundry in public? And And that was old school. I respected her for what she thought. And, you know, later on, she changed as we were able to impact and things started changing. She could Mm -hmm. see why I thought I needed to talk about it. And she was proud of me. But first, she wanted me not to talk about it.
0: Well, that's Funny you say that because I've also been diagnosed three times, twice on the left side and once on the right side. And once my mother knew it, because my mother also experienced about with breast cancer, but hers was so minimal. It was just this little tit and she just had radiation. Mm -hmm. And when I started talking about it a lot, she asked me one day, she heard me speaking and she goes, is that scripted? And my other sister looked at her and said, no. So once you become a breast cancer thriver, Mm -hmm. you're not the same.
1: Yeah. Well, there's not enough thrivers or advocates.
0: Well, it's like, you know, once you've come through it, you think you're done. And here comes number two.
1: Just the beginning.
0: And number two, and you're like, oh, are really? And then number three, Mm -hmm. I was mad. Mm -hmm. I was like, are you kidding me? So it's like you become... You have another chapter after your first diagnosis, you're not who you were the day before that diagnosis and you'll never be that person again. So you start with your chapter two, but then when you finish your chapter two, you there's a chapter three and so on. And so I am just in awe when you say four times and you're sitting there like, you know, looking like you're 30 and you know, you've got the energy of a bunny rabbit. So it's like, there is a way to get through this and still come through it. Not just, you know, say, oh, I had breast cancer and, and, you know, you want people to feel sorry for you. Absolutely not. And looking at you and speaking with you this morning, you are, I mean, you're a rock star. So it's like, let me bow down to you and say thank you for agreeing to do this because your voice is so important because you're saying, even though I still am, you know, just because doesn't mean. And, oh, and, you know, yeah. you have a story, you have a lot of stories, but I just want to ask you like after your first diagnosis, how do you really feel your life has changed? Because your life is what it is now because of that very first diagnosis.
1: Oh, yes. Yes. Um, I had a good life with no problems mm-hmm. with health before breast cancer. And so just like anyone else, I was devastated, but I never said, why mm-hmm. me? I accepted the fact that this is what I had, and I had good support from my Mm -hmm. husband and my Mm -hmm. daughter. Uh, They both were intelligent enough because I didn't know Mm -hmm. what to do, and I was devastated. And so they directed me to the proper hospital doctor. And then from there, I started reading and going to conferences. Mm -hmm. During my recovery, I was doing Mm -hmm. all this. I never sat still and dwelled on the fact that you've been diagnosed with breast cancer. I just wanted to learn all I could. And then so I was meeting other women who looked Mm -hmm. like me because I really was seeking out some sisterhood with women that looked like me. Because going to uh, meetings with uh, the other groups, they didn't look like me. And I didn't feel a sisterhood or anything like that. Mm -hmm. So in seeking what I needed, I decided that I would have to do something more than survive breast cancer. Not even knowing that I had—I thought I only had five years.
0: That's what they tell you. (laughs) That's what they tell. That's
1: what they tell you, which is very uh, unnecessary for you to think in terms of five years—the good or the bad of it. But women love to hear that, and and the industry gives us what we think we need. That actually scared me that I only had five years. Mm -hmm. And I want to do something with those five years other than survive breast cancer. And here you are. <laughs> yeah, here many, I am. Many, many, five no, years I later. Did not think, I didn't think 10 years later and 20 years and 30 is out of the question. Right. So I know that I've been blessed and my purpose has given me truly a cause to mm-hmm. keep me not only alive, mm-hmm. but keep me, I could say in a purposeful way of thinking because I feel each and every day we have a choice how we're going to accept that day. Mm -hmm. It's all up here Mm -hmm. and what you say and what you do affects everything. yeah. So So that's how it's changed me. I've never been a negative person but I think Mm -hmm. I'm a super positive person now. I hear it. I hear yeah.
0: positive. I hear the yeah. super positive. Definitely. So it's,
1: it's okay. I I, um, I think I'm a winner on, on that end.
0: Well, when you in, involve yourself and in stop the silence, what kind of pushback do you get from that? Do you get any? Because you could talk all day and there will still be women that go home that don't want to talk about it. And then the next time you hear about it, they've lost the battle because yeah. they didn't want to talk about it. So how how do you deal with that, you know, stopping the silence and get positive feedback from that?
1: Well, before the hashtags were available right,
0: to right, stop right, the right.
1: silence was what we call the slogan. That's how old mm-hmm. it is. But I coined that slogan or that hashtag now because I saw how The silence was harming our community. And I have seen the change, just the changeover as a community. Now, if we talk individual, Mm
0: -hmm. yes,
1: women still whisper in my ear rather than just say, Mm -hmm. I'd like to talk about breast cancer with you. They'll whisper, I'm a breast cancer survivor. I don't know why. we're. (laughs) we're I always say we're not in church (laughs) or the library. So uh, what is it that you wanted to talk about? Because I don't want to whisper, no, you know. No. But the good news is, I can be. And I'm gonna say, I go to a club. So I'm walking past some guys, you know, getting to you my. You do what? What did you? What did you say? And you say, do what? Oh, you that breast cancer lady? Listen, <laughs> you that breast cancer lady. I had prostate cancer. Go figure. Oh, yeah. Yes, they could be sitting here talking about what they talk about. I'm passing. They want to talk to me about prostate cancer, and I stop and talk to them about prostate cancer
0: because you must and that's,
1: know that's the, the that's the I don't know I think the cherry on the cake for me that they feel more comfortable than some women do you know and it's it's kind of uh, ironic but it, mm-hmm. it, it does happen and women still say to me can we go to the to the you know ladies room I want to show you something. I always know mm-hmm, what that something mm-hmm, is. It's either disfigurement because it's growing out right, or something right, of that nature, right?
0: Right. And they right, want me right, to look right. at
1: it and tell them what it is when they already know what it is, but they haven't been to a doctor to verify what it is and what to do with it. Now that's sad. Mm-hmm. That's sad. Well,
0: you, they look at you as you know the voice. And they want to show the voice and they want to hear from the voice, which way should I go? What should I do? And that's why I commend you because you are that person that people maybe want to go to you before they go to the doctor because they trust what you say. Mm -hmm. They've heard you. They've seen you. They look at who you are and you provide a comfortable space that you don't always get in a doctor's office, especially with an initial visit Absolutely. or your first consultation. So that's where we lose a lot of people because you know, you go in there by yourself. A lot of times women do go in by themselves cause they don't want anybody to know. No, no, mm-hmm. yes it is. Nope, because I always say, when you're dealing with something like that, take somebody with you because you're never gonna hear what the doctor says. No, you don't, because it's not really what you want to hear. So it's like, you know, you're in there with a stranger and a stranger is the doctor and the doctor is treating you just like looking at the watch. Oh, I got five minutes with you and this is what you're going to do. We're going to start your treatment here. And there's no room for your questions when the whole thing about being diagnosed is the decision you make to be a part of your own healing. And that's what you said. You, you have to advocate. That
1: gives you some strength when you are part of something. Yes. But we actually, as an organization, Mm -hmm. have literature. We call it what to ask your doctor. You can take it with you. Mm -hmm. We say you need to take a recording or a person with you who will be willing to hear what you don't hear. Not just take your best friend. Mm -hmm. She's just as excited and and nervous and can't hear. She's not the one. You need to take a member of sisters who's trained Mm -hmm. to be able to. Listen to your story. Help you talk to the doctor and read something. Unfortunately, we're not in every city. No. We're in thirty right. cities. That's a lot, but it's not enough. Right. But there are other organizations of breast cancer survivors that are willing to uh, go with you, as long as you know that they know what to listen for to help you. You just don't need somebody to hold your hand. You need that, but you need somebody who can intelligently help you understand what you're listening to. And I had to go a lot of times with different ladies before we grew and have a lot of other women to go. But I can remember very clearly a young lady who was an accountant, and she was young. She was uh, 42. Mm-hmm. And she was one of the ones that took me to the bathroom to see her breast, <laughs> and it was growing right, out of her breasts. Right, right, right. Now, mind you, she's an entrepreneur co- accountant, educated woman, I mean, pretty and all that, that stuff. That doesn't mean a thing. But she wanted me to see what was growing right. out, which was very obvious. So I went to the doctor with mm. her, and the doctor at that time was not up to date on the latest, greatest ways to treat the breast cancer. Mm-hmm. So fortunately, I knew the difference between what he was recommending right. and what she should be getting at her stage of breast cancer, which was have the chemotherapy first to see if it's treating the cancer. Mm -hmm. Because if you get the cancer removed and you get chemotherapy, you don't know that it's working. So you treat the cancer while it's there to shrink it. Then you have your surgery. Then you have more chemotherapy. Mm -hmm. That was the new way at that time. So when he recommended the old way, cutting it out, because he's a surgeon, right. and then go get your chemo and maybe radiation. I I told him, well, we'll get a second opinion, yes. and that was that. You know.
0: So, how do you feel, and where do you stand with the clinical trials and the lack of information for Black women with the clinical trials?
1: Well, it's a twofold situation. The clinical trials are not trying hard enough to reach our <laughs> women, and they expect they expect us at this time to just just run over there and go get right. it. That's what we need to do now. Our fault as a community mm-hmm. is that we don't trust enough in order to decide which clinical trials are going to be best for not only our situation, mm-hmm. but for the future situation. And there are many clinical trials at different stages. Mm-hmm. So therefore knowledge, there we go back to knowledge. Right. Knowledge is power. And as an organization we try to find out which ones are doing what we needed to do. Mm-hmm. Who's getting better, mm-hmm. who's not, you know, which ones to choose from. And I can just say it's time to jump in. We got to be a part of the solution.
0: Well, you go to the appointments with the oncologist, and I recently heard about, I mean, I understand it, but the term of being, you know, the discrimination in oncology.
1: Oh, it's always been there. It's not, it hasn't gone. It hasn't gone, but I can tell you, knowledge helps. Fight it correct, because they know you know, so therefore you get treated Mm -hmm. with your knowledge, Mm -hmm. not your skin. Mm.
0: Well, a lot of doctors, when you go, they only want to treat you per what your insurance will cover. And they don't explain that to you. And sometimes they won't even mention a clinical trial because of the type of insurance that you have. So how do you guys get over that in your organization with women that just don't have you know, that great insurance policies.
1: Well, with clinical trials, you don't have to have insurance with clinical trials.
0: But there's the point right there. It's not even explained. It's not even offered.
1: Well, therefore, we go back to Mm -hmm. our knowledge. See, one of the things, I don't excuse us as Mm -hmm. a community. If we don't know something and we Mm -hmm. know we don't know, it's up to you to find some answers. You, as an individual, and I'm going back to there's nobody coming to save you if you're just sitting back waiting and not doing your part. I am of the opinion that we have to wake up and know that breast cancer is serious. That is up to us to find an organization or find a friend who knows more, someone that can walk you through your journey in the beginning. All of us need help at that point and when it comes to clinical trials there's a slew of information about clinical mm-hmm. trials and if you can't understand it which mm-hmm. is okay you ask somebody your doctor doesn't want you to leave him as a patient when you go into clinical trial he's no, you're no longer his patient so he is not apt to want you That's to right. go So you have to know that is a reason. And so investigating, and that's that's a big word, (laughs) because everybody doesn't have that talent, but there's social workers, don't have anything, no gain, nothing to lose if they refer you. There's patient navigators that are set up just for the patient like Mm -hmm. us. And if the first one you talk to is got a racial problem, go to the other one.
0: But everything that you're talking about is knowledge. And you're really, you know, that's the beginning and the end of everything. Because even at the end of treatment, you still need the knowledge of what has happened to your body.
1: And it doesn't stop.
0: No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't.
1: You ask me about being diagnosed mm-hmm. four times. I don't have time to say, oh, the last three did this. And so I just, oh, just breeze on to Hell no. I need to know what this stage is. How's it mm-hmm. affect me? Is it part of my lymph node system? Has it gone anywhere? Mm-hmm. Is it going anywhere? You know, I just can't assume that it's going to be more of the same.
0: Yeah, you're making the, a great point because my last diagnosis was a HER2 positive. Now, where that came from, how did that show up, who knows? And I chose at that point because I have the knowledge of prior treatment I didn't want anymore. So there was no chemo because it was going to affect my heart. And then I'd have to be in the, on another chemo that would have been a year long because it was a HER2 positive. And it all would have affected my heart. I said, no. And my doctor says, I knew you weren't going to do it, but I just need to let you know.
1: Well, what about the radiation? Could you do it in that breast a second
0: time? No. no. No, absolutely not. So that's what I mean. You have to know yeah. what the doctors know that is really pertaining you, that is mm-hmm. is for you. And just like you keep saying, it's the knowledge that some of us don't even ask for. We don't even know that we should have knowledge about this thing because we're just going with what the doctor is saying. And the doctor absolutely knows everything, but that's not the truth.
1: Everybody should have a second opinion. I don't care how your doctor is. And I always say, and this is what most people don't understand, your second opinion cannot be in the same system. No. Because everybody's a friend (laughs) over there on that left side. And that's good that they're friends, but when you want a second opinion, Mm -hmm. you want it from somebody that has no connection to your doctor or your hospital. Therefore, you have a better chance of getting a good opinion.
0: You just want to know,
1: and and it's—I know that's hard to know. Mm -hmm. You know, it is. It is. It's a lot, but it's learnable. And you ask the question. Mm -hmm. That's why we have a whole page: what to ask your doctor. Mm what to ask, this and that, what to bring with you. Only Mm -hmm. because having had so many bouts with breast cancer myself, this each thing is different. It's like Mm -hmm. brand new, but you still have the knowledge from yesterday Mm -hmm. that you can bring with you today. And I don't know if you've had Mm -hmm. this experience. The mammogram and ultrasound is supposed to be the ultimate, but it's not. There's an MRI that nobody talks about. And I knew for a fact Mm -hmm. my second and third time that the MRI and the mammogram Mm -hmm. didn't find it because I was sensitive to my particular cancer. I knew where it was because I felt it not with my hands. Mm -hmm. It was a sensation from in my body. Mm. So there we go back to knowing, Mm. knowledge of your body, what it feels like. So I know what cancer feels like in my breast. So after I had the mammogram and the ultrasound mm. that were clear, the doctor said mm-hmm. he was very mm-hmm. happy for exactly. me. Exactly. And I said, well, I think I'm going to need that, ma- that MRI because I still feel that <laughs> sensation. <laughs> and he went and gave me the MRI, which you know is very expensive. Okay. And I had yep. two new cancers in the breast that was clear. So really, I've had it five times, but I don't catch. Right. That was like, I just lumped that into one.
0: <laughs> yeah, that was two in one. You got to deal on that one. The two
1: for one. But yeah. seriously, two brand new cancers that didn't show up with the MRI. But I knew it was there.
0: Right. That's my first two cancers were not seen on the mammogram. And it had to be the full biopsy yeah. to say, oh, this is cancer. The second time, I knew just what it was. And I, I was in the shower and I was like, oh, okay, well, I'll call my doctor later.
1: So has the, has the ultrasound helped you at all or the
0: MRI? Uh, I've had quite a few of them. I just did my last PET scan last Saturday and I just got the results Mm -hmm. yesterday. So, you know, when the, when the office calls, she said, we have good news. I want to say, shut up. You know, I really want to say, shut up. You know, I don't need that perky, you know, like you're calling me with this great news. I could have told you it was clear because I feel, I feel amazing. So, Mm -hmm. you know, when they call and it's like, okay, thank you. But I've had the same oncologist the whole time. And I love him. I mean, I would sell him if I could because he is, he's the best. He's thorough. He's everything that you talk about and everything that people want to know. And he doesn't leave until you get it.
1: What hospital is he with in LA?
0: Kaiser. Oh, Kaiser. Kaiser. Okay. And I love Kaiser. People say, oh, you go to Kaiser. Say, yeah, I love Kaiser. Mm -hmm. I mean, Kaiser has been everything to me. My oncologist is the same. My OBGYN is the same. My surgeons are the same, and they are rock stars. I love them. And because they are so thorough. Yeah. Well,
1: guess what? Even rock stars sometimes need to be checked every now and
0: then. Well, they're good because what I do appreciate is that whatever information they have, They do give it. And a point for that is if you're able to retain information, if you're able to have the conversation, then they are more apt to have it with you. Now, if you just sit there and they know you're not going to ask any questions, the offering stops, you know, they know you're not going to hear them anyway, but it's like, it depends on you as an individual, you as a person. And Mm -hmm. they, they know prior, if you're going to receive, if you're going to ask questions, do you really care? Can we really give her that information? And just like I talk about the BRCA all the time, I've talked to people that have had cancer more than once, have never heard of the BRCA. And it's like, why is that? You know, why is that? Well, my doctor never told me that. And it's like, why is that? Do you talk about that?
1: That's why I say second opinions. no matter what you think, mm-hmm. they may be the best and they may be the best, but a second opinion is part of what you're entitled to. So mm-hmm. make it happen. That's all. Just make <laughs> so it happen. Make it happen. Oh, <laughs> that's
0: funny, fight, girl! Yeah, fight, say put fight, them on and fight. let's go. Let's put them on and let's go because you have to. But you, you know, if you're if you're if you're not willing to fight for yourself, if you don't know no. how to fight for yourself, if you don't even have the wherewithal, the knowledge to fight for you, then mm-hmm. whatever happens yep. happens. And I hate to say that.
1: I have the um, example of going with a young lady who's in her fifties and she has a family history mm-hmm. and she has insurance, so she went to a medical center to get her mammogram or yearly mammogram mm-hmm. and she wanted to have mm-hmm. her ultrasound with it hand in hand do you know they gave her the blues mm-hmm. and because mm-hmm. i was there and one of the nurses says aren't you that you know
0: yeah and let's so let's talk about yeah, let's, that again yeah. you know so
1: the radiologist was set against it the nurse uh. who talked to him because i didn't have to talk to him Asked him mm-hmm. to go do what she wanted to do because she was in her fifties. She has insurance mm-hmm. and she has a family mm-hmm. history. What's the problem?
0: And you have to go through all that. Yes, this, you know th- these these are my credentials for treatment. Yeah, yeah. No, no.
1: And so no, no. she was willing to fight, but it, it was easier with me being there. But she wouldn't have left unless she was going to go somewhere else because she was a fighter. Mm-hmm. But why did mm-hmm. she have to even fight? So fortunately it was clear, you know, right. But she needed to know that.
0: And you had to go in there and stand up for her.
1: Well, that's really why I went. Yeah.
0: But you know, just like you give that example, an example I have that I will never, ever, ever forget. I also have a friend and you know, she, she lost her battle and she was at chemo one point where there was a man sitting down with her that asked her about her pain level. I said, like, well, nobody comes to you and asks you about pain when you're in a treatment. She said, well, this guy comes to me and he asked me, you know, what is my pain level? Because he's able to prescribe any medication I want. And I said, well, who is he? She didn't know. I said, well, you call your oncologist and ask who that man was. So a couple of days later, she calls me back. She found out that this was a pain manager from the hospice center. I looked at her, I'm like, do you know what that means? She goes, no, who is it? <laughs> i just I just didn't even know what to say
1: he needed a he needed a body, didn't he? He needed a body,
0: but he had but see that's my whole point. Her doctor knew she wasn't going to make mm-hmm. it, but they had her going through all these experimental these brand new clinical trials and oh this or this and this and this, and if a pain manager sits with you from hospice while you're doing chemo, what is it that you don't understand? but she didn't understand hospice, and we're talking about many years she was. Probably in her 50s, because we're the same mm-hmm. age. But but she didn't even understand what hospice mm-hmm. meant.
1: Well, he probably didn't say he was with hospice.
0: No, he didn't. Yeah. No, he didn't. He told her he was just there to regulate her pain mm-hmm. and that she could have anything she wanted. And I said, well, if they're telling you, you could have anything you want, what do you think?
1: What happened once he found out?
0: You know, I'm honest. I don't ever think she found out. But sh- like I said, she lost her battle. She had, she was diagnosed at four uh, stage four lung cancer by a dentist and she had surgery because the cancer had grown so far out. It was like, um, what do you call it? Busting her ribs or, you know, splitting her ribs. And she okay. didn't understand uh-huh. that either. And every time she would describe it, uh-huh. I was like, <sighs> I wanted to go with her. I wanted to go with to her with one of her visits and and let her oncologist have it and make her tell her. And she mm-hmm. said, oh no, well my cousin goes with me. I'm like, okay. And like I said, she's been buried, it'll be two years in December. But the knowledge mm-hmm. is is like yeah. feeding a child. You know, when your baby wakes up in the morning, they need to be changed and they need to be fed. When you are going through cancer, you need to be changed and you need to be fed. And the person administering all that is the oncologist. But you are, you are the director yeah. of that.
1: Well, I think of it as a partner rather than director, yeah. but you are, you are the partner in, in that.
0: And your partner has to have a voice.
1: And it's, it's, yes. Yeah. Well, yeah. A partner means you have a voice, but there again, um, I just can't iterate enough. A second mm-hmm. opinion is necessary to just make sure, that is true. you know, you're at the that right place. <laughs> Uh, I know my third time around, I, I went to uh, Cancer Treatment Centers of America outside the Texas yeah. girl. I went, I didn't go to another Texas hospital. <laughs> I left Texas <laughs> and got my third opinion, mm-hmm. you know, my second opinion during my third time. I just wanted to be that sure that this mm-hmm. system was for me, not against me.
0: But see, the difference between you and a, a lot of people, you have the knowledge. And you continue to get knowledge. You continue to be knowledge for a lot of people. So now you got to wave that flag and you got to never stop waving that flag. Because like I said, after your first diagnosis, your life was never the same.
1: No. Unless you go back into a cocoon state and act like it didn't. I got, I have friends that doesn't, that don't even admit that they had breast cancer.
0: Well, what is the shame? What is the shame? What do you think is the shame of that?
1: I mean, I know it. But they, you know, they're not actively involved. I don't understand why they are shameful because they really didn't have a bad situation. They didn't, It wasn't even bad. And they still don't want to um, be, I'm a survivor kind of thing, you know.
0: Well, with women, your breasts are supposed to be, you know, that vanity, your pride and well, your joy. the same joy. with
1: our hair, our hair, whatever. I've heard, I've had women say, they would rather die than lose their hair, but oh, they, don't really they don't really mean it. They don't really mean it because they don't think they'll die if mm. they don't have treatment or mm-hmm. uh, I don't want treatment because then I'll be sick all the time. And my husband, da, da, da,
0: da. Oh yeah. The, the husband, the husband.
1: And as many times that we all get divorced or leave or whatever uh, for my health is more important mm-hmm. than anything. Let's go. So, you know,
0: I decided after the second time to remove my breasts because I was tired. I was like, okay, well, if you promise that if I take, you know, let you remove my breasts and my ovaries preventively, that I'll be good. And after my breasts were removed, the HER2 shows up.
1: I was like, okay,
0: Mm, I got you.
1: They should have just said maybe 90%. Just so that it's not a lie. It's just like when we're told that we're cancer free after five yeah, right. years. That's that's sad because that makes you shut down and say, oh my God, I'm mm-hmm. saved. I don't have to do this ever mm-hmm. again. It's just not, it's so, not true. Unfortunately. So if we really um, kind of wise up that cancer and other problems, we're all going to get something. Mm-hmm. But you have to be in control of it. So it doesn't control you. You there's so many things that you can live mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. that make other people sick. If you do what you have to do, and so, none of
0: us are the same. I'm
1: not gonna even. I'm not going to even give you my list of things <laughs> that's wrong. But I'm I'm juggling a lot of. Shit. <laughs> well, but, it
0: doesn't look like uh, it. It doesn't look like anything's wrong. So I I would have a hard time believing you anyway. So.
1: Well, I do all the things I'm supposed to do to, you know, work against mm-hmm. it. And some things you just can't get rid of you either accept you yep. got it and move yep. on. I mean
0: I mean, right now I'm sixty six year old and sometimes I get out of the bed and I'm like, Why do my feet hurt? Why do my legs hurt? And I was like, Whatever. Whatever. Let's go.
1: Yeah, well, sometimes that you're wrong with me when I talk to women who say they have it, I said, I have yeah. it too. And I said, But it doesn't have me.
0: That's right. It's just here.
1: It's- I- I swim, I jog in the pool, I get pedicures that, you don't do the pedicure just for my yep, feet. Please
0: <laughs> touch my feet.
1: It's a circulation. And if you let it get so bad that you can't walk exactly, on those feet, exactly, it's on exactly. you. Because you're in control of that. It's not going to go mm-hmm. away, but you can keep it at bay so you can do everything you need to do. But that night, you better rub them <laughs> <I> yourself, <do. laughs> pull those toes. Pray on (laughs) them. Yes. Stomp your (laughs) feet. And say, let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go,
0: please. Definitely.
1: And stretch. I mean, really, truly, you have to stretch your feet every night.
0: So, do you have any upcoming personal appearances or conferences that you're going to be a part of?
1: Girl, it's November. (laughs) I have done it all in October in the year, this past year. And the next thing that's coming up is a five day breast cancer uh, international conference that I attend every year because that's where you learn from everybody, not just our folks in our country, other folks in other countries. And I always look forward to that. Uh, So I have to do that. But my Zooms Mm -hmm. and things of that nature, you know, that's just always going Mm -hmm. on. But no individual personal appearances until January.
0: And then where, where is that going to be in January?
1: Uh, that's here uh, when we do our national tour.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I, I can send you the list uh, when we have it printed. Please. It's not done yet, but yeah, we, we'll be traveling again.
0: I would love to just see your face.
1: Oh, that's sweet. <laughs> I was just saying I go to uh, L.A. often because I'm from, i stayed in L.A. F- 25 years before moving mm-hmm. here. Really? Yes, really? and I loved it. So I go back every year. Yeah.
0: So you're in Houston.
1: I'm in Houston, and I moved from from LA to
0: Houston. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, yeah, definitely, definitely want to see your face. So we're going to stay in
1: touch.
0: Definitely, definitely. But I would love to get the information from for January. Definitely.
1: I always like to make new friends.
0: You are my girl. You're my new girl. You're my new girl.
1: Sisterhood is important to me. Really,
0: it is, and that's why I've you know the podcast is see we do have a voice because. It's really just to let cancer know you can't be the loudest voice in the room anymore. Those days are over. Yeah, Those days are it's over. True. And it's to true. power women to use their voice. Know you have a voice. You've been diagnosed. And this is when you find out how loud your voice is. But cancer cannot be the loudest voice in the room well,
1: anymore. Well, our, our job as an organization is to reach the women before they have cancer. So we true. have two different programs for that. And one is a teenage program so that they can do that, not cancer, mm-hmm. but breast health. And then they learn about cancer and they can help their mothers get through their knowledge and journey or their aunts or right. sisters. Because right. if your kid, your daughter says to you, have you had a mammogram and you haven't, uh, that's like that smoking sensation. Mm-hmm. Your, your kids can make you change yep. your, your mind about things. So we're using that concept and it does work. We get a lot of women who wouldn't have had their mm-hmm. mammogram because their daughters said you should.
0: Because their daughters have the new information. Their parents have the old information, correct.
1: Started young. So they get rid of that fear.
0: That's a good thing though, to start it that young. And that's yeah. what
1: it's about. So we're that's yep. That's gonna be heavy on our hearts when we hit 2024, that we gotta work the whole circle, mm-hmm. not just one part of it.
0: No, because the circle is gonna is never gonna get small again, you know. Because it's like the last time since the last time you see me, you know, I've had some mountains to climb and some giants to slay. So we're slaying giants all every day. Women are just not diagnosed in October.
1: Well, I'll tell you, wearing your age very well, girlfriend.
0: <laughs> black is beautiful. I don't care. You know where we are, how we are, how old we are, how young we are. Black is just beautiful. We are. Nobody looks the same. We're different colors. We have different texture hair. We have body shapes. But now they want to focus on how beautiful we are. But we've been beautiful all ever since we were born. So, Miss Jackson, it was a pleasure. And I do appreciate you and thank you so much for just agreeing to speak with me this morning. It is my pleasure.
1: It's my pleasure because we don't have a media budget. So this helps us get the message out very much so. so and we the might-
0: message is free. That's the whole point. The message is free.
1: We try to help the women financially.
0: Mm-hmm. That's true. That's true. So
1: we can't do both.
0: No, you can't. But you can give them the information and send them out.
1: Yeah. Well, thank, thank you for so that much. opportunity today.
0: Thank you for letting me be a part of what you do. Because now I feel like I'm a part of your sisterhood. Yes, you are. Thank and you, And we're man. starting
1: a chapter in L.A.
0: Oh, well, you got to let me know about that.
1: Okay. Yeah.
0: Oh, please include yeah. me in that.
1: Please All don't right. forget. Will do. Thanks,
0: everyone, for listening. Make sure to follow and rate the show wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast is produced by Rainbow Creative with executive producer Matthew Jones, producers Stephen Selnick and editors and mixers Rob Johnson and Stefano Montelli. See you on the next one.